Good morning. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com for a Thursday. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And uh, very happy to have on the program this morning, Mike Dennehy of Dennehy and Boulay in Concord. And uh, Mike, welcome to WKXL. It is a pleasure to be with you, Ken. Good morning to you. Well, it is uh, great to have you with us. And uh, you might have seen Mike Tuesday night on WMUR's coverage of the primary. And uh, Mike did a great job, as always. And uh, for those who don't know, Mike has been involved in uh, any number of New Hampshire primaries in the past, most uh, notably uh, guiding the fortunes of uh, John McCain, who went on to New Hampshire primary victories in 2002. 2008, uh, with with Mike leading the charge. So, just just reflect a little bit on on those times, and and today. That there there seems to be a, a, a major difference in in my opinion. Yeah, there there, there certainly is. Ken, uh, it should be noted by the way that John McCain uh, had had um, had won two New Hampshire primaries and yep. and. Uh, uh, Donald Trump now has won three uh, presidential primaries, so he beat out John McCain's record the other day. It's um, it, it is it's uh, it's really it's really incredible, Ken. And of course, you were tangentially involved during the whole process, but um, those years in 2000, in particular, I just consider myself so fortunate to have been through a presidential primary like that. Um, that really involved and engaged so many people in New Hampshire. John McCain had 114 town hall meetings. Uh, His first one was in Manchester at the American Legion and and only had nine people there. Wow. Um, And then his last one, of course, uh, was in Peterborough, New Hampshire, which he grew to love the Peterborough town hall. Um, And there was countless. I mean, there was uh, as many people outside as there were inside. Uh, and he just really put the town hall style uh, form of uh, campaigning on the map. Uh, and it really and truly is the best way to campaign because you do engage voters uh, one-on-one. And, and they get to ask you questions and, and you have to give them answers. And they know, that, as, as we all know, New Hampshire voters are so gifted in the way they pay attention to this to this primary process, so they know immediately if you are authentic and genuine, or if you are too scripted. and uh, And I think, uh, in addition to that, they can also gauge your charisma. And so I think it has really it has really uh, helped build up candidates in the past, and it has doomed candidates in, in recent memory as well. Um, I think uh, Ron DeSantis actually suffered a bit from yeah. the way he campaigned, uh, and he'll he'll. I mean, I, I I can't remember where he said it. I actually need to look it up. But he said toward the end, shortly before he dropped out, he wished he had campaigned in New in New Hampshire, um, uh, in the town hall style form of campaigning uh, uh, before uh, earlier in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, 
you know, the interesting thing, of course, I, I don't begrudge Donald Trump uh, uh, for not having uh, town hall-style campaign events because he does what works so well for him. Uh, it, 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 people, so many people love to come out and see him. He can't have a town hall meeting. I, I, I'm not sure he would, but he can't because there's just too many people. So uh, he does what works for him, and he does it very well. Um, I was very disappointed and have aired my concerns publicly about um, Nikki Haley and the way she conducted her campaign for the last 14 days. She went, uh, uh, she campaigned for most of this year, uh, the past year, holding town halls all across the state. And in the last 10 to 14 days, she stopped. She stopped taking questions from voters. She stopped directly engaging them. And she skipped the debate process, which would have certainly helped her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and she didn't, and she didn't, um, she really didn't even utilize local media. I've heard several reporters who just wouldn't even get their phone calls returned. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that hurt her. Yeah. It, it certainly, it certainly, uh, I think that she just squandered opportunities by campaigning that way. I, I couldn't believe when she uh, rejected the opportunity uh, to debate Ron DeSantis uh, last Thursday night, the scheduled WMUR-ABC debate at St. Anselm College, which, of course, was uh, in the works for, you know, literally over a year uh, and, and to, uh, you know, transform the Sullivan Arena to, you know, a debate forum. And, uh, yeah. you know, we were talking, about, talking with uh, Neil Levesque about that uh, last week and how... Uh, disappointing it was, but more beyond that, I, I think what poor strategy on her yeah. part to pass up ninety minutes of yeah. not not only an appeal to New Hampshire, but but the rest of the country. That's right. Yes, that, uh, no doubt about it, Ken. And, and you know, on the surface, one can understand her argument. You know, if Donald Trump's not going to uh, debate, then I'm not going to debate. However. She participated in five other debates, and and then so she skips. It was just a series of things that that so loudly spoke. I am closing myself off now, and that's skipping the debates, no town hall meetings, no local media, uh, and no no national media. Really, I mean, it, it, um, I don't know if you've seen the story since, but the media that covered her for the last week in New Hampshire, they had to be invited. Uh, they couldn't just cover. It. Really? So, oh my goodness! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That so, that's very unusual for for a New Hampshire primary, as you well know. Well, and, and I guess the, the the bottom line with it all is she ran a cautious and defensive strategy. She was afraid of making a mistake and making a mistake that would go viral. That's what it came down to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I I think ultimately it might have cost her. Uh, really? I think it did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it did. Of course, I'm biased. You know me. I'm like, you hit your primary through and through. I want to see candidates do well. Yeah. And I, when they pass up these incredible opportunities, it's frustrating. But, well, we started off uh, you know, over a year ago with uh, with a lot of Republican hopefuls, and uh, I I've never seen the field. Uh, winnowed uh, to as as small a field as it actually turned out to be when election day rolled around. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really a pretty fascinating process. But um, uh, I think I think a, a lot of P 
people knew that Donald Trump was going to be a strong candidate. Mm-hmm. He was always go- it was always going to be difficult to wrest control of uh, Republican registered Republicans from Donald Trump. He is just so strongly supported uh, and loved by Republicans yep. that it just it just was too, it's it was always too an uphill battle. But you know in 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 the fall, uh, early fall, Trump still was was hanging around fifty percent in Iowa and New Hampshire polls nationally. Of course, up around sixty five. But you know, candidates when someone's at fifty think they they have a shot. But you- uh, but if you if you looked through some of the polling and the numbers, it, it, he was only at fifty percent. But but his image with Republicans eighty percent favorable. And yep. uh, and it's just so difficult to penetrate that. Yeah, absolutely. Should Nikki Haley go on, and uh, she's starting the, her campaign already, and and, and has uh, in the past uh, few months uh, made stops in South Carolina, her home state. But should she continue her campaign at this point? No, I don't think she should. Can uh, you know? Again, I'm all for uh, the democratic process. But the Democrat, and yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, ele- uh, primary elections left. But the fact is, no Republican since uh, Gerald Ford has has won Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, it, it, voters have already spoken, and especially you just again have to look at registered Republicans. Donald Trump won seventy five percent of registered Republicans on Tuesday. Yeah. It's amazing. It is truly amazing. Uh, Mike Dennehy is with us. Mike, can you stay with us uh, after the break? Yes, sir. I'd be happy to. Mike Dennehy from uh, Dennehy and Boulay in Concord. Are you seeing more of your partner now, uh, Mike? (laughs) Well, sort of. He's Unfortunately, he's sick right now. So uh, I know. So (laughs) I look forward to seeing more of him soon. (laughs) Now that he's not running the city anymore? (laughs) Exactly. Right. Uh, Mike, stay with us. Uh, We'll be right back with Mike Dennehy right here. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental, Mike Dennehy is with us. Political strategist, political commentator. Uh, so, Mike, I'm going to ask you, what is the future for Nikki Haley? I mean, she is not uh, obviously going to win the nomination for president of the... Uh, she will not be the standard bearer for the Republican Party. But uh, does she have a, a future in the Republican Party? Yeah, that's a great question, Ken. I, I, I truly think it all depends on how she conducts herself in the next two months. I, I am expecting, because, again, where we left off was Donald Trump's strength among Republican voters. He had 75% of the Republican vote on Tuesday. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is you cannot win a Republican nomination if you don't win a majority of the, of the Republican vote. And she is, just, she, she is not getting enough of the Republican vote to win. And 
She knows that. I think she's hoping for some sort of miracle in South Carolina, but it's not going to happen. I've gone through two campaigns there before. And, um, it, it, I mean, New Hampshire campaigns are beanbag c- compared to South Carolina campaigns. Uh, I don't think she really knows what's coming. And um, uh, it, my prediction is she'll test the waters over the next week to two weeks, but I think she'll end up dropping out by February 19th. And uh, if she doesn't, Ken, and she goes through the process longer to be a thorn in Donald Trump's side, then I think she will struggle uh, to get some kind of footing for the future in Republican politics. So do you, do you think ultimately she will uh, in, endorse Donald Trump? I, I, I do expect so. Uh, she's obviously, um, as we've heard so many, uh, so many times, she's very young. Yeah. I think she's 51. So she does have... A future, and uh, uh, I fully expect she said she would support the Republican nominee. So I think she will uh, when that time comes. Uh, probably, you know, shortly after she drops out, or maybe needs to take a little more time. Um, uh, but I think she will. I think she will, and I think and hope she will campaign for him along the way because she'll be a uh, certainly a good. Uh, surrogate. Yep. Uh, so you know what amazes me, Mike, is that that uh, you know Joe Biden, you know, pretty much turned his back uh, on New Hampshire, not supporting the first in the nation primary, and then over the last two or three months, uh, there was the campaign to write in Joe Biden on the Democratic ballot. And he amazingly, in in my mind, I've got a, a record amount of votes. In the yeah. Granite State, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is pretty amazing, Ken. It's uh, it's really it's, the the party politics can be so so sad for our country and certainly sad for New Hampshire because uh, the the Democrat Party just decided that New Hampshire shouldn't be first, and uh, and Joe Biden came in fifth in in twenty sixteen. Um, or excuse me, in 2020, and uh, they wanted to penalize New Hampshire, and they wanted to play some identity politics along the way. And uh, and Joe Biden, I do wish, had suffered a little bit for that decision. I mean, he was directly involved in penalizing New Hampshire. Um, but such is life, and uh, I guess you, you uh, got to give credit to the uh, Democratic Party, who uh, worked hard for the write-in campaign. It's not easy to do. And uh, uh, and Joe Biden is still widely supported by the Democratic Party faithful. And, and now they're saying that they, the DNC might be changing its mind and, uh, uh, amazingly enough, uh, award the delegates uh, to the Democratic <laughs> winner. They, I saw I saw Ray Buckley uh, on an interview uh, last night on WMUR saying that the Democratic Party is it may be changing its mind. How well, about- <laughs> it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me either. I can when all when all said and done, uh, Joe Biden's going to be the Republican. I mean, the, the Democratic nominee. And what purpose does it really serve to deny delegates to New Hampshire? It just doesn't, really doesn't make any sense. 
Do you think you'll make it to Election Day, Mike? I, well, I, you know, that's all. That's up to the good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm talking about, I think between now and then, because this is a, yeah. a long stretch between now and the general election in, in November. And, yeah. you know, things could come out uh, that could uh, derail uh, his bid for re-election. Yeah, I, I feel that I feel like they will. The Democrats will keep him as the nominee. Um, really, I, I, I mean, I am not a conspiracy by any means, but I've seen how Washington's been run for the last four years, and it's run by Democrat staffers. So those, and there's there's a lot of, of Democrat operatives and staffers involved in this process. They don't want they don't want to give up their power. That's why they want Joe Biden to stay there. Uh, I think the only potential for change would be for him to switch out Kamala Harris. But that comes with its own risks as well for the Democrats. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, uh, uh, th- those are, are two of the, the more unpopular politicians that we have. Uh, yeah. and, and I think I think uh, Vice President Harris might be even more unpopular than Joe Biden among the general population. <laughs> she is. She, she, she really is. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question about it. And uh, I, and it's, it's funny, you know, there's there's been speculation he might switch switch uh, Kamala Harris out for another candidate. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, there's some there's some, I guess, what you'd call upside if you're uh, a Democrat, because Kamala is so unpopular. Uh, however, if you switch if you switch Kamala out, they uh, the the Biden administration is very clearly signaling they're concerned that uh, about Biden's health, and they want to make sure someone strong is there to take over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, now, speaking of vice presidents. Who is Trump's going to be this time around? Uh, another great question. That, that's well, we like really, to ask uh, the tough questions here, Mike. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you. I mean, I'll tell you who I think it is. Uh, I, I have absolutely no inside knowledge and don't even know whether Trump's truly considered it yet. Uh, I bet he has. Um, I, 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 I guess it's more what I hope. I, I, I hope it's Tim Scott from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I've been, you know, when I think about it, I think about what a great, incredible choice Mike Pence was for Donald Trump. Yes, I, I agree. He, yeah, he, uh, he uh, a conservative, long-standing conservative, uh, uh, who is a man of faith and a calming force and influence on the administration, and that's exactly the kind of person Tim Scott is too. Yeah. No question. I, I saw uh, Tim Scott at a couple of his stops uh, along the way this time around, and just a very impressive and genuine guy. I mean, he seems yeah. to be a very a genuine guy and uh, so comes across that way, and uh, I, yes. I think that would be a, a, a fabulous selection. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that, no no doubt about it. Or he could lean and uh, lean to the, the female side and, and pick a woman. Yeah. Well, and, and and obviously that's that's certainly something that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, I don't. I, I must say, a lot of the women around Trump 
are similar in style. So it's it's hard to see someone. And I would also hope that Trump would not pick someone who's just like him. Uh, that doesn't serve any good purpose. I, I, if I had to choose a woman uh, a VP that would be good, a good fit, I would probably choose uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yep. Yeah, his former yep, press Governor secretary. Yep, yep. Right. right. She knows him well. Yeah. Um, she herself is very well spoken. She yes. she is not bombastic by any means. Um, very, very, very bright person. Uh, and she has a, a, a strong future in Republican politics. So, uh, yeah, that would probably be my hope if he chooses a woman. You know, and and if he does, uh, you know that that would be a, a good choice as well. But I I like I like Tim Scott and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is terrific too. But I I bet when the uh, twenty uh, twenty eight uh, primary comes around, uh, Mike Dennehy, that Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be in that field. I really believe I that. Would, yeah, I, I do too. I do too, Ken. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's a strong possibility. But the twenty twenty eight field is going to be as big as it was in twenty. If not bigger. If not bigger. If not bigger. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I agree. Yep. Uh, Mike Dennehy, great to chat with you, and uh, we'll get you back more often as the uh, campaign trail continues, such as it is right now. But uh, always great to hear your voice and uh, your views on these things. And thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks so, so much for having me, Ken. Pleasure talking with you. You're a great man, and appreciate all you do. All right. Thanks to you, Mike uh, Dennehy, for all you do as well. Mike Dennehy of Dennehy and Boulay uh, in Concord. We'll take a break. Kale and Company will continue, and we'll talk to someone who covered his first New Hampshire primary uh, this cycle, and that would be Eric Rinston Lobel of the Concord Monitor. We'll talk with Eric after these words. Kale and Company continues on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back, Kale and Company live here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, joining us now gentleman who had uh, the opportunity to cover his first New Hampshire primary, and uh, we speak of uh, Eric Rinston Lobel of the Concord Monitor with an article above the fold. Eric, I'm holding it up to camera three right here in our studio, and above the fold article today for Eric Rinston Lobel. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Ken. Great to be back. Well, Eric, uh, talk about your, your first opportunity uh, to cover the uh, New Hampshire primary. What, what were your takeaways? I think the big one was even even though this this year's primary was you know not as competitive as uh, previous years have been, uh, just kind of seeing all of the attention that you know all of the state is getting, all these you know from. Concord to some of the smaller towns that, you know, I get to cover at the monitor uh, on a daily basis, just seeing all the other media kind of descending uh, across the state was, was probably the thing that, that stood out most to me. Yeah, it, it is amazing. The, the uh, national and international uh, media coverage that uh, comes with it, and, and really once every four years, really puts uh, New Hampshire 
on the map. Were you, were you surpri- surprised to see as many of the, the general public at, at uh, you know, a lot of the events that uh, you covered? Yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely just an interest in what was going on. Again, I know that, you know, this year's primary was much less, you know, the, the outcome of it was not as uh, questioned as previous uh, elections, but there certainly still seemed to be kind of an intrigue around what was going to happen, what the candidates had to say, and all that stuff that people uh, enjoy about the New Hampshire primary. It was certainly... Uh and a very unusual one in, in that regard, Eric. You're absolutely right, and uh, and you had the opportunity to cover it for the first time. I'm, I know you've heard about it over the years, but the first time you've actually uh, had boots on the ground uh, for the primary it was was it all that it was uh, cranked up to be? I think I've kind of become pretty acclimated to New Hampshire politics and the year plus that I've been up here. I mean, I've, I covered the 2022 midterms a little bit and um, have been around it. So I, I think I've become used to just how engaged um, most folks are around the state, which I think is really great because I don't know that that is the case all around the country. But um, it, it, was, it was, it's definitely just great to see, you know, people, people know what, you know, that they, they, they're interested to hear from the candidates and, they want to be as informed as they can be when they're showing up to their polling place to decide who to vote for. Yeah, uh, they, they really are engaged, and uh, I certainly hope uh, the future is bright for the uh, New Hampshire primary. Certainly there has been a lot of talk about, you know, what uh, you know the future will bring when it comes to the primary because of the uh, DNC pulling out, really, of of uh, of this uh, this time around uh, this primary, uh, so it's interesting. I'm sure you heard some buzz about that. People wondering, you know, uh, is this going to be the last time we're first in the nation? But uh, did you get any feedback uh, on that? I didn't actually. I think people were just kind of focused on what was happening on Tuesday. But I think once you pull back and see, you know, it, it will be interesting to see what happens because, as I just said, I think the thing that makes New Hampshire unique and why, you know, they take such pride going first because, you know, people are turning out. I mean, more people voted in the New Hampshire primary than participated in the Iowa caucus by about, you know, three times as many people. And New Hampshire's got a smaller population than Iowa does. So people are coming out to vote and that seems to be kind of valuable when you're when you're trying to decide who should be the candidate for president. I, I would say so. I, I don't think uh, there's a state that has a higher turnout percentage-wise uh, than uh, than New Hampshire for primary elections, and I think it's been that way uh, for many, many years, and that's why we've remained first in the nation. Hopefully, uh, that will continue uh, to be the case. Uh, Eric has had the chance to delve into the, uh, to the news field, but, uh, you know, it, uh, most of the time we think of uh, Eric Rinston Lobel as a sports reporter, and he is a uh, very, very good one uh, at that. And uh, recently, uh, I mean, you've written any number of articles recently, but one of them uh, that uh, caught my attention was about uh, Amy Cohen, a Concord High School uh, graduate. Tell, tell, her, tell us about uh, Amy's story. Yeah, so Amy Cohen, uh, her dad, Paul Cohen, is the football coach at Bow High School. Um, she got to participate in the Maccabi Games in Argentina, uh, which is a 
athletic competition for Jewish athletes from around the world. Uh, so she uh, is a senior now at Plymouth State. She got to go down there. She was on the field hockey team. And this was particularly notable for her because she was diagnosed with lupus a few years ago. And that really hampered her ability to continue to play field hockey or ice hockey, which she also played uh, because they're contact sports and severe contact put her at risk for internal bleeding that would have been very, very dangerous. So she really hadn't been able to play field hockey uh, in the in the time between which she was diagnosed and, and her chance to go down to Argentina. So she had worked really hard to uh, get herself back into good enough physical health that she could go and she got to play. She scored a few goals and uh, Team USA took home a bronze medal. So uh, a cool story for someone who has battled through a lot of challenges the last few years, but always great to see somebody like that come through with a successful story. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and I guess, you know, a lot of people wonder, and you, you've, you've written some uh, terrific articles uh, since you've been at, at the Monitor. And uh, Where do you come up with, with the, the ideas for these uh, feature stories? That, that, you know, do you dig them out all yourself? Uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> sometimes. This one was not. This one actually, uh, Amy's father, Paul, who, again, we I've covered it at Bow Football, yeah. um, had sent a press release to us so uh, just so we were aware of it, and so I we figured that looked like a good story. Uh, other times, you know, it's just I'll be at a game and I'll notice something. Um, I'm working on a story right now about Co-Brown boys basketball coach David Smith, who's been coaching at Co-Brown since 1990. He's 78 years old. Uh, he's also the headmaster at the school, and I'm doing just a story about how he's kind of evolved with the coaching profession over the years because it's obviously changed. And when you're around their team, you just see how much the players still, I mean, respect him and, and really enjoy playing for him. So um, working on a story about that. And, you know, I just, again, just being at these games, you kind of pick up on some things that you might not notice if you weren't there. And always worth following up on that. And Cole Brown off to a pretty good start uh, this year uh, in basketball. Uh, do do readers sometimes uh, suggest uh, you know ideas to you for feature stories? I will get some. Yes. Yeah. Um, sometimes the challenge is relevance to our larger audience because of what's interesting to one person might not be interesting to you know everybody else, um, and also just timeliness. Like why is this? Why is this relevant now? But we definitely do get uh, people that, that, that direct our attention to things that are worth writing about. You know, uh, this weekend uh, coming up was supposed to be Black Ice Hockey Weekend uh, in, in Concord. Hey, you, you have never really covered a real Black Ice tournament, have you? No, because last year also got moved inside. They're hoping this year they could stay outside, but last year got moved into Everett Arena. Yeah. So they're hoping to do it uh, February 9th through the 11th now at White Park. But if not, uh, it'll be sometime in, in March at uh, Tritown in Hooksett. Uh, but uh, it, is, it is a great event, Eric. I hope you get to see one uh, one, of, one of these years. Outdoors, that is. I mean, indoors, it's, it's a fun event as well. They, they pulled it off very well last year at the Everett Arena. But, you know, uh, when they do it at White Park... Uh, you've got the bonfires going on at night, especially, and uh, fireworks and uh, 
and and uh, you know seeing all those games in one spot at the same time is pretty amazing. So uh, I hope Eric in your future you get a chance to see a real black ice tournament. I'm hopeful too. We got hopefully those temperature goes down the next couple of weeks and the ice uh, refreezes for them to get it done in early February. It's the one time I root for cold weather. That's about the only time. But uh, at any rate, Eric Rinston Lobel is with us. Eric, can you stay with us for a few more minutes? I can do that. All right. And uh, you can read Eric's piece today in the uh, Concord Monitor above the fold. There it is. Trump struggles with undeclared. That's the headline of the uh, of the story that uh, Eric has written for today. All right, we'll uh, take a break. Kale and Company will continue right after these words. Right here, WKXLNHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Our guest is Concord Monitor News slash Sports Reporter, Eric Rinston Lobel. Talked a little bit about Eric's coverage of his first New Hampshire primary. And right now we'll take a look at the the winter sports scene locally in the Concord High Crimson Tide uh, boys hockey team currently sitting atop the Division I standings, undefeated in regular season play. So I guess, Eric, uh, no Brooks Craig, no problem for for Dunk Walsh's team. That is true, Ken. And uh, I think one of the things that Dunk said before the season was that they would be pretty good, but maybe not the best team in the division like they've been previously. But so far, uh, it's, they've looked pretty good. As you said, they, they sit atop the division. They haven't lost the game in the regular season. I know they didn't do super well in the tournament over the holiday break, but still 6-0-1 so far. Um, and they played a lot of road games, too, as I'm sure you know well you, you broadcast the games. So uh, they'll have a bunch of home games coming up as well, so we'll get a chance to see them more in the next couple weeks. Yep, a- absolutely so. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, he, he may not be Brooks Craig, but uh, uh, freshman uh, Jared Haas ha- has really been a major contributor, currently uh, leading the team in-, in goals for the Crimson Tide, and he has really been a, a great surprise. He has, a- and particularly just in clutch moments. I know the last game I was at when Concord beat Bo 2-1, he scored the game-winning goal with just over two minutes left. So just seeing that level of confidence and poise from a freshman. Uh, but that's what you need. I mean, when you're losing a player like Brooks Craig, who accounted for three-quarters of your goals and assists last season, you need other guys to step up. And Haas has certainly been one of the more prominent ones. Yeah, and uh, you know the Tide really have not played at full strength all season either. As yet, anyway, as uh, uh, Brooks Craig's brother uh, has not has not uh, Trevor Craig has not played in a game yet. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back in action uh, real soon. And uh, he he was the MVP of the uh, the Manchester Christmas tournament a couple of years ago. Uh, Trevor Craig is a very good player uh, in his own right. Uh, uh, Dawson Fancher has missed a game. Uh, Jack Shoemaker uh, missed the Christmas tournament. Uh, so they, they still haven't yet played at full strength all year long. 
Right. Again, just a testament to the skill level on the team where you have three of your more experienced players that have been out or battling injuries even when they're on the ice and, you know, to still be in the position Concord's in is just a testament to, you know, not just the the varsity program, but just, I mean, Concord hockey in general. We've talked in the past about how good the youth program is in in the area and um, the the kids are just developing uh, from a very young age and it pays off once they get to the high school level because you see you see it, things like this where you lose a you know player like Brooks Craig and you're still able to maintain the level of success that they've been used to having. Well, you mentioned uh, Concord's uh, two to one win over Bo. Uh, the last game that you covered, Bo gave them a, a great battle uh, in that game. And uh, Tim Walsh's, no relation to Dunk, but Tim Walsh's uh, Bo Falcons are, are off to a good start this year. They are, and I think the thing that was you know that I was paying attention to coming in was you know last year they started out I think they were one and six one and seven to start yeah. the year and then they went on a hot a hot streak to host a playoff game and ended up losing that first playoff game but they returned a lot of players this is they have a lot of seniors and juniors on this team so um, they they were well positioned and so far I mean they they've played pretty well they're they're in fourth place in Division One right now at seven and three. And, yeah, they pushed Concord in that game 2-1. to They just lost to Pinkerton the other day 5-3. But uh, this is a Bow team that has been working really hard to try to take that next step and be able to beat a team like Concord. Haven't quite gotten there yet, but it certainly seems like they're closer now than they've been in a while. Oh, there's no no doubt about that. I can remember uh, just not not too long ago that uh, uh, a couple of those uh, you know, Bow Concord games resulted in running time at the end of the game because uh, Concord had a, a big lead, but not anymore. The uh, Bow Falcons are are playing some uh, very good hockey. Boys hoops, uh, Pembroke Academy at uh, seven and one. And guess what, Eric? I I attended. The only game they lost this year to Hanover, and Hanover is uh, very tough in Division II uh, boys basketball. So, but uh, Mike Donnell's uh, Pembroke Academy team is uh, seven and one. Uh, Cole Brown Northwood at seven and two. Those are uh, two of the top teams in Division Two. Yeah, and I think both of those teams were playoff teams last year. Pembroke, obviously, the D two runner up, lost to Pelham, but both those teams lost a lot of valuable players. I mean, Pembroke graduated nine seniors from last year's team. Cole Brown, I think, lost four of the five starters they had last year. So, I mean, obviously that generally happens in high school sports. You're going to turn over your roster every couple of years, but to, to do so and maintain the level of success, and in Cole Brown's case, probably do a little bit better than they did last year, uh, speaks a lot to just the, the level of talent that, that they have. I know something that Coach Donnell had talked about before the season with Pembroke was that you know their JV team, I think, was sixteen and two last year or something like that. So those kids that came up from the JV team, you know, were obviously very good and experienced a great deal of success. So the transition to varsity has not been that stark. But you did mention that loss to Hanover, uh, the one blemish on their schedule. They have a big game coming up next week on Tuesday against Manchester West. Um, and then yeah, Cole Brown. I mean, Dave Smith's been doing this for a long time, as I mentioned before, and. Uh, he's got those his guys playing uh, really, really well. I think they also they also lost to Hanover and Pelham, so two losses to, to good teams, and uh, they've won four in a row since that Hanover loss. So uh, the Bears, another team certainly to pay attention to in the area. 
And and we can't leave out the girls. Uh, girls Hoops, uh, Concord Christian and Pembroke are both undefeated. And uh, Bo is also having a good year. Yeah, Concord Christian and Pembroke playing each other on Tuesday. That will be an interesting game. I had written a story uh, the la- last month about Concord Christian's first season and only season Division Two. They played in Division Four a couple years ago, Division Three last year. Won those championships. Now they're up to D two this year. They're going to be moving up to Division One next year. Wow! And they've been really good. They're nine and zero. Pembroke is eight and zero. So that should be an interesting test. I think the thing that stands out most with Concord Christian is that they played Division One Bishop Girton back on January 9th and beat them fifty seven fifty one. They'll play BG again uh, on February second. So um, it, this is a team that's very very good. Pembroke. Uh, has one of the better players in the division in Annalise Dexter, so they've been very good. And you mentioned Bo, they have a new head coach, Cassie Emerson, who I wrote about a couple weeks ago, who's coaching with her dad, Dale, who's the assistant. Uh, They have a big game tonight against John Stark that I'll be at. Uh, Bo has won five games in a row after a two-and-two start. So Bo, a team that lost in the D2 championship each of the last two years, trying to get over that hump this year. And let us not forget uh, Division Three and uh, Hopkinton at uh, ten and one on the season. Yeah, I got a chance to see them for the first time on Friday, and uh, you know the game was pretty ugly. They beat Stevens forty-five forty. I think the game was like sixteen to thirteen at halftime or something like that. There were not a lot of points scored early, but uh, they have a new head coach this year, Mike Mahoney, and they lost again another team that lost. A lot of talent from last year's team that made the Final Four, but they've been really, really good. And, uh, again, a team to certainly pay attention to. Uh, D3 season ends a little bit before D1 and D2, so they only have five regular season games left, and then the playoffs start. Absolutely. It'll it'll be here before we know it, Eric, the uh, postseason in, uh, in high school sports. Uh, before we have to wrap it up, tell us a little bit about uh, your podcast with uh, Dan Atori. Well, we actually took a break this week because I was busy with the primary, but uh, we'll be back next week. We record every week, hoping to get some more coach interviews going. Um, we know uh, we have some uh, the Capital Classic Wrestling Tournament coming up on Saturday that Dan's going to be covering, so I'm sure we'll be talking about that and maybe get uh, one of those coaches on. I know Bill, Billy Chavanel, the wrestling coach at Bo, is in his second year. They're trying to win Division Three. Uh, they've been kind of focused on that all season, so... Might try to get him on, and uh, we also have an alpine skiing uh, event that's supposed to take place tomorrow, so we'll probably be discussing that next week as well, in addition to all the usual hockey and basketball stuff. All right. How, how can uh, folks access your, your podcast? Either on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just search the Monitor Sports Podcast, or we also post it on our website uh, once I upload it. Very good. Once you upload it, yes, it's it's all in your hands. <laughs> that it is. Eric, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, as always, uh, always uh, great to catch up with, uh, especially all the uh, high school sports that are going on as we uh, are uh, rapidly approaching uh, tournament time. Thanks uh, again for joining us. Thanks, Ken. Great to be on, and I'm sure I'll see you at Ever Arena soon. Oh, you will. No, no doubt about that. Thanks, Eric. Eric Rinston Lobel of the uh, Concord Monitor, who uh, covers the local sports scene uh, extremely well and uh, does some, some great stuff for them. So check it out. 
And he, he covered news, too, during the primary. Very versatile guy. Well, speaking of versatile guys, Tom Raffio will be in studio tomorrow. We, we know about his singing prowess. That's for sure. Andrew has to uh, turn down uh, the dials in the control room when Tom sings, but that, that has never stopped Tom. Yeah, he'll be with us tomorrow along with uh, Kitty Ray. She'll be talking about the uh, nominees for the Academy Awards and uh, some of the movies she's seen uh, recently as well. And I think tomorrow's a, a, a... I think it's have fun at work day tomorrow. We always have fun at work. Andrew and I... Andrew brews the coffee, runs the board. We have a great time in here every day at WKXL. If you missed any of today's show, just want to hear it again right after 7 o'clock tonight. Right here, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Folks, remember, always look on the bright side of life. Have a great Thursday, everybody.